I'm Ryan Castle, and it's showtime. Hey, what is up, world? We have arrived, and so have you, to the three things we gotta talk about podcast. Because you know what? We got some things we gotta talk about. Always. Three of them, to be exact. So let's go ahead and get into it. As I mentioned at the top, I am Ryan Castle, and to my left, it's my ace man, Mamelo, my brother from the Bay, now making it in L.A., it's Mr. Juan Hernandez, everybody. I don't think it really qualifies as being from the Bay anymore, considering I've lived here for 10 years now. No, when you're from the Bay, you're labeled as such your entire life. That's just the rules of Southern Cali, bro. I didn't write it. You say so. You know, you made it from the top of the state all the way down. I think that's to be celebrated by Okay, I don't know. it was a journey, I guess. Yeah. We'll go with it. So I guess this being the first episode, I should probably give a little explanation as far as what the hell you're actually listening to here. And uh, I think the name says it all. We got three burning topics that we're going to need to discuss each week, and we're going to tear through those topics like a damn grizzly hound. And I don't even know if that's a real animal, but it sounds vicious. And that is how we attack things here on the Three Things We Gotta Talk About podcast. With great viciousness and honesty. In a unique outside-the-box perspective, which you're probably not going to hear anywhere else because I don't think anybody else thinks as ridiculously as we do, uh, but we're going to make it a fun ride, so jump on in and let's cruise. And I should also point out that I'm going to have a bit of a revolving cavalcade of co-hosts with a few of my close, very entertaining friends who are each going to bring a little unique spice to each episode. And I, of course, knew when I looked at my Rolodex of awesome friends, if I was going to do this right, I needed to look at the bullpen, signal for the spry righty, and that, given the opportunity, he was going to come firing out of that pen like Rod Beck circa 1996. No, 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 no. More, like a, more like Rick Vaughn. Okay. More like Rick Vaughn in Major Leagues. Yeah. Would you have like a signature song that would come out of the... Oh yeah, if I was a Major League Closer, what would my song be? It might have to be um, probably like Miley Cyrus, Party in the USA. I can see that. I feel like that'd be like a good closer song just to throw everybody off. It would catch on and your home crowd would be stoked on it, but that only goes until you start blowing safe. Okay. Which I would naturally do. That would I was always that kind of It happens to every closer. Right? I feel like the story behind every single closer in the history of the Majors is they become the shutdown guy for like a season or two. They develop a badass edge. They get like a cool walk-up song. Everybody loves them before they have a complete meltdown and are out of the bigs within a season or two. Except for like Mariana Rivera and Trevor Hoffman and that's it. Those are literally the only two closers to do it for an extended period of time. And Rick Vaughn. Yeah, but Ricky Vaughn wasn't really a closer, though. He was a starter who sort of lost his edge and then refound it when he went to the bullpen. Sort of like a late-career John Smoltz. He made it happen when it counts. Yeah. Unlike another guy I can think of who everybody's really hot on right now who plays Major League Baseball. I, I didn't know there was. I was, make, I was making a joke about Clayton Kershaw, your boy. He's not a closer, though. I know, but the point is, he finds a way to blow it when it counts every time. Like we, clockwork. First episode we've been on for maybe two minutes. <laughs> And Juan has already taken his first shot at the Dodgers. We need to get a one oh shits on the Dodgers count going because that number is going to climb. I can assure all my listeners that. One thing I did want to note uh, was that when I first told Juan about this podcast idea I had and that I wanted him to be one of my co-hosts, his immediate singular response was, dibs on first episode. And really the only reason I wanted the first episode was just to like have something over Justino. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just yeah. to be like, oh, hey, I got... Obviously, first episode. And it will bother him, too. And it will. Yeah. I know it'll get under his skin. <laughs> so it really had nothing to do with me. It was more about making sure I stuck it to that guy. Yeah, yeah. 
The first episode is a landmark. Unfortunately, it's also the one that will probably have the most glaring issues as, you know, we're just kind of figuring this out on the fly. So I like to think that the quality will improve in due time, uh, but for now, this is what we got and we're just gonna wing it. So now that we know why we're here, hey one guys. What's up? We got some things we gotta talk about. Three things, I hear. So in order to do that, let's toss it up to the rundown and kick it off with thing number one. Number one. Sports fans who suck. Oh. So this is how this works. You just throw a thing at me. Right. And we're going to talk about it. Because we got So it's four words. And we just talk about the four words that you just said? It, you know, the number is flexible. Yeah, yeah. It's whatever. But it's a subject. It's a topic. It's, it's the topic. And we just run with it. Yeah. And the topic today. Sports fans Sports who fans suck. who suck. Yeah. Okay. As soon as this topic came to my mind, I was like, I gotta talk about this with, with my me, Juan bro, because yeah. I'm an expert he's, in having he, conversations about things that suck. Yeah, there's literally nobody that enjoys hating on sports fans more than this guy right here. So we're getting into the end of the summer months here. We're rounding third on the summer season, charging into home plate, about to slide into the month of October, which is just the best month of the year, specifically because it's the climax of the sports calendar and it's prime pickings for people to be really annoying so when you're sports fans like we are you're gonna inevitably find yourself around this time of year at locations to watch these games such as a sports bar or maybe an actual sports venue and you will encounter every brand of sports fan there is to encounter and so the table we're setting here is that we obviously have a lot of context or a lot of experience yes in being around sports fans who suck. We've been around a lot of sports fans and we've been around a lot of sports fans who suck. So then let me just throw it out there. If the topic is sports fans who suck, I will just say my general feeling yeah. on the whole idea is just the simple idea of a fan of a sports team sucks. <laughs> like when you, seriously, when anybody who's a, like just to be, right just, to, just fanaticism as it is brings out like some of the worst things, not worst, obviously there's worse things than being like a diehard fan of anything. There's a couple. But it brings out to me some of the most annoying characteristics right. about people. Well, let's jump into them. What, what characteristics? Well, you just, you lose all rational thinking when you're a fanatic, right? Does that make sense? It kind of, well, as you're saying, it's, it's reminding me of like a staunch politician, like somebody who's really into their politics. Yes. And they have their base, their side. And it doesn't matter what the other side's saying or if you're arguing, they're wrong. And every way their mind can tell you they're wrong, they're going to do it. And here's why it's so horrible when it comes to sports. is like, when it comes to sports, I was just in New York City last week, two weeks ago. I was walking down the street. I saw a guy in a Red Sox jersey and I thought, here we go. He's, he's asking for it. Like he's walking around in midtown Manhattan in the worst possible place to be wearing a Red Sox jersey, right? Like he's, he's intentionally antagonizing everybody around him. Guaranteed, everybody who's walking by that guy, anybody who's a Yankees fan automatically looks at him and paints a picture of who that guy is head to toe as a human being. They already got him dialed. As a human being. Not even like a, oh, he likes a team that I just happen to not like. That's like a shame. Yeah. It's literally like, it's time to fight. You know what we should do right now? Let's just go ahead and establish the shitty sports fan hall of fame. Ooh. But you just want to go ahead and induct like any sports fan into the shitty yeah, fan Yeah, I think that fan. like, I like even the, the, the fans that root for the same teams as me get under my skin. See, I'm a Dodger fan, so I can relate. Yeah. Which I know you'll appreciate. Yeah. Because <laughs> I love the Dodgers and I love 
Dodger Stadium, but every time I go there, I see at least one Dodger fan that's like... You're embarrassed to be wearing those same colors. I'm kind of pissed that we're on the same side. Yeah, like, exactly. You're making it hard for exactly. me to feel pride in this team. And and me being from the Bay Area, right, I grew up die hard, throw the remote at the television, scream and yell at the top of my lungs, Raider fan, right? Right. We all know how ridiculous yeah. we all know how ridiculous those people can be, yeah. and uh, and a big Giants fan, yeah. and like I think Bay Area sports fans are hilarious because they just run around screaming beat LA all the time and talking about how much LA when in reality they all probably wish they lived down here. They just don't <laughs> like the teams. Yeah, you know it's annoying little things like that. Every time I go to a Giants Dodgers game uh, in San Francisco. You see some pretty ridiculous stuff. I would say Giants fans are just as annoying and obnoxious as Dodger fans are in Dodger Stadium. Being a Raider fan is is kind of a, a funny thing because all it's hard to believe that somebody actually would do that to themselves. No, it's just like it's it's just funny when you get there's there's so many things to appreciate about it and so many things that are really entertaining and funny and and like really awesome. There is like an actual sense of community when you go to a game there, but at the same time, it, every it's just so much debauchery and so much like just unnecessary people being idiots, people who have absolutely no idea what they're actually talking about. I think that's when we talk about horrible sports fans, I think that's the stuff that gets under my skin the most, is that somebody's uh, fandom gets in the way of their like actual critical thinking skills. Again, much like anybody that's really into politics. Exactly. <laughs> so basically you want to induct all of sports fans into the shitty sports Yeah, I think fans. the second you, you put get... <laughs> on, the second you're a grown man and you're wearing but a you jersey you're with somebody else's name on your back, then mm -hmm. like you, you kind of forfeit being just a sensible, normal human so being for the afternoon. So you're inducting yourself into the shitty sports fan hall of fame right off the bat. No, I'm an exception. Of course. <laughs> you have definitely worn a jersey with somebody's name on the back at some point in life. I haven't seen it recently, <laughs> but I know you, you have. You've no, known no, no. me for ten years. You had a how many times? A Tim Brown jersey. I have a Tim Brown jersey. Yes, I recall that. I have a Tim right. Brown jersey. I have a Howie Long jersey. A couple classics, and uh, and I do have one yeah, jersey. Uh, this you, one's gonna get a laugh out of you. I have. It doesn't have a jersey. No, do not have a Fat <laughs> Marcus jersey. It's a Notre Dame green Brady Quinn jersey. Uh, yeah, you have it immortalized above your bed. Yep. No, I don't. <laughs> okay, so Juan has inducted every sports fan there is that has ever worn a jersey and then some. Yeah, but we can get into like specifics. About I'll, specific. I'll get a more specific. Do we want like teams or do we want like guy at a bar? No, guy, okay, so I'll give you an example right now. What Who I will induct is the guy who has to point out on repeat that he's not a sports fan. So I guess this is actually different than your category. He's not a sports fan, he doesn't really care, but he wants your team to lose. Oh, Justino. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Just, just want, he's just there to Justin, hate. yeah, we know that guy. Yeah. I have this specific memory of being at a sports bar in Culver City when the Dodgers facing elimination against the Mets a few years ago. And there was these two girls who were the loudest in the bar just cheering against every single thing that happened against the Dodgers. The Dodgers would strike out, woo! They hit him a double play, yeah! Mets hit a home run. Dodgers suck. And then after every single time they cheered, they made sure to clarify to everybody around them, I don't even like baseball. I just want the Dodgers to lose. Yeah. Well, realistically, it's 2019. Nobody really likes baseball anymore anyway. So there's that. <laughs> That's debatable. <laughs> I mean, in October, I just think it's the best thing there is. Yeah. I love October baseball. Like It's my favorite playoffs. That's And that's the thing. That's what I'm getting at. In October, baseball is like a whole new beast because 
you have this long season with drawn out games and like there's so many ways you could get bored with it or think things don't matter. All of a sudden you get to the division series, you got a five game series, and then you get super nervous watching the games and every single pitch counts and you feel every part of the game suddenly has so much importance. But these games matter so much and every inning and every pitch could be the difference maker. So you're locked in, right? And especially in a game when your team makes getting a second base look like rocket science. You know, like getting a man on base is suddenly the most difficult thing that can happen. And you're just, you have this building mounting frustration. That's when any other person around you that's gonna rock you this way or that becomes the most frustrating being that I could ever imagine. And when they're then also they're hedging their bet with like, oh, but I don't care. I'm, this isn't gonna affect me. I just, I'm not gonna get sad, but fuck the Dodgers, woo! Like that's when, when I go to boiling. That's when I can't be around these people. And of course, if you're in a sports bar like that, you're in a close proximity. They're almost like bumping you as they do it. You were in elbow space, you know? You're talking about the, the sports fan, in quotation marks, whose only interest is in being a hater. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, their joy comes from other people's Their joy comes from other people's frustration. Yes. Which is, is, which is the worst. Because again, come week, 10 of the NFL season, and the, right the Raiders, the Raiders. Not usually for the Raiders. At, like, yeah, usually not, but every once in a while it happens. Once every like 12 years, yeah. they have an important week that, that 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 late in the season and they get smoked by by the Chiefs on like Sunday night football. Mm -hmm. And I start getting text messages right. from people who like you don't Ooh, hear from otherwise. This is the same yeah. kind of person, right? Now you know me, obviously. I have given you tons of crap leading up to October mm -hmm. about the Dodgers, how they're inevitably going to blow it every single October. And I'll tell yes, you specifically yes. that it's gonna be Clayton Kershaw with the ball in his hands when it's supposed to matter. And he's gonna, and like, here's the deal, I've never been wrong. So, there, there's joy, that. Yeah. It does give me a lot of joy to talk crap leading up to that point. But, I don't know if you've ever caught on to this before, you've never once gotten a text message or a phone call or a jab from me once they've actually lost. I've actually made a special note of that because at that moment, I am most fragile. Yes. When the Dodgers get eliminated, lately it's been in the World Series, which I always take over Division Series loss because, you know, at least I have the memories of them getting to that point. Although, if it happens for a third year in a row, yeah. it might. So there's, 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 there's definitely a line of, of trash talking leading up to something, but right. for the people in the room who are real fans of something, like, you're so crushed. Right. When your team fails, mm -hmm. you don't need somebody else to throw salt. That's why I don't bet on football games. Yeah. My team loses. I do not need, I don't need to like think of the $50 that I just gave up for no reason because right. for whatever reason I was stupid enough better. to think that they would win. Yeah. Right. Well, if you bet you would be an emotional better and you'd only bet on Notre Dame and uh, the Raiders. Yeah. Well, I was just having this conversation with my dad today and the, the reality is at this point in my life, I've gotten to an understanding that like I will never actually believe any of my teams are going to succeed until they actually like win a championship. That's a good theory to have. Because <laughs> if you think of the odds of like your team versus all the other teams in the league, you got like yeah. a one in thirty-two odds to win. But like, there's also certain teams like the Buffalo Bills or the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we kind of take them out of the equation. Being a fan of certain teams doesn't set you up for disappointment. That's the difference, right? Being a Dodger fan sets you up for it because you do at some point have hope that something really amazing is going to happen and you you inevitably end up watching enough uh, replays of Kirk Gibson uh, running the bases from what, 31 years ago now? Oh, that stopped filling me with hope by the time I was like 10. 
And then sure enough, so, end of October every single year. Well, I'm also an Indians fan, and that's even more so. I mean, they're Indians fans literally in their 70s who have never seen a World Series championship. So. Yeah. so we have that fan that sucks. And then I think on the flip side, this is the one that really gets under my skin, is I, I have this formula. If we were to put like sports fandom into a mathematic formula, you should only be allowed to be as excited when a team wins in relation to how upset you are when they lose. I learned this by moving down to Los Angeles, specifically living in the South Bay, being around a bunch of people who um, you know, claim to like hockey, which, you know, again, <laughs> we can have another conversation about that. But they have some. There's a few out here. Actually. Every every, every year. You wouldn't think it, but for some reason around the South Bay at the beach, there is an enormous hub of Kings fans and hockey in general. Like, I grew up around LA my entire life and went 20 plus years without running into a hockey fan ever. Like, I knew maybe like two hockey fans growing up and one was Canadian and the other one, I think, also turned out to be Canadian. At least I think they were, I don't know, I, I never really asked. But now I live out here at the beach and it feels like everybody I've encountered is a hockey fan. But you really haven't because it's just like it's a, it's a cool thing for people to like hockey around here so everybody jumps on the bandwagon. And also winning Stanley Cups helped a couple of those and... Like the general term would be the bandwagon fan, sure. right? If you are not heartbroken, distraught, it's the end of your world when your team loses in the playoffs, just don't even wear their colors. You get a lot of that around here, people. It's like it's a fun thing to root when everything's going really well. You know this being a lifelong Lakers fan. As a Lakers fan, yes. Right. I wholeheartedly agree with this. That is absolutely the experience of being a Lakers fan in Los Angeles. Because for me, your teams are your teams. And once you jump on that train, you're riding that train for life. And you just got to ride with the highs and the lows and support them no matter what. And it makes the nectar of victory taste that much sweeter when a championship actually does happen. But I have very specific memories of the same faces when they were winning championships saying, we're going all the way. We're bringing home the ship this year. Woo! You just reminded me of another one who then, the moment the wheels started to fall off, turned around and started laughing at us, saying, Psh, Lakers fucking suck, bro. Why do you even root for them? So you just reminded me of another one with a couple things you said right there, and, and I caught you saying it a couple times. Sports fans who say we, yes, you're not on the damn team. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. I actually think there's almost there almost should be like a special place in hell reserved for sports fans who say we right along like right along the guy who gets on the elevator before you get off. <laughs> Th those are those are two people who just are the We absolute could do without worst. them, yeah. I, I would I think put we that could, person a little bit below the I we. think we we collectively as a human race could do without the sports fan who says we because we're not like on the levels. team. What if you were like the cowboy? You know, does that guy get to say we? Yeah, because he, 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 you know, if you cut a paycheck from the organization, I guess yeah. you could say you're a part of it. You're fair. actually a part of yeah. what they've got so going he, on. Anybody that gets a ring. Yeah. You know? Exactly. That's, that's how it should be. If you it. get a yeah. ring, if you were to get a ring, you can say, we did this, but I just cannot stand on Monday morning all of the, we should have done this, why did we do that? Packers fans are actually probably the, the biggest, biggest offenders of this one. Well, here's an interesting thing about the Packers fans. They suck? Um, they're actually, technically, they're owned by the community. Like, yeah. the Packers don't have an actual Physical owner. They're owned by Green Bay. Yeah. So, if any team actually does maybe reserve the right to say we, it mm -hmm. is maybe them because they're, like, part owners. And I've never really understood how that works. But... I don't think even Packer fans know how that they works. No, they just know that allows them to say we. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, is is not a bad thing because it's always nice... 
But we have one less mouth-breathing, loudmouth owner who needs to insert his face and voice into yeah. the team every In- single... Instead, we get a whole ton of Midwest mouth-breathers. Okay. Yeah, that's what it's become. I think we should re- definitely, at some point, revisit the Shitty Fan Hall of Fame. But uh, for now, I think we've circled the drain pretty good on that one. I think uh, we've covered a few of the sports fans who we could do without. I can and, go for days. Yeah, I know we can. That's that's why I, I jumped into this with you, because like this is your forte. This is your wheelhouse, talking about sports fans you hate. Uh, which is always one of the things that I do enjoy about watching sports with you, is because you will find the most annoying fan in the room, and you'll you'll call him out, and it's it's a joy for me to watch from the sidelines, and somehow never turns into physical altercations. Never. You're good at that. Never. Which actually, if I was to say one more, the guy who feels the need to get physically violent with somebody because they're wearing the other jersey. Yeah, likes to fight guy. Yeah, the likes to fight guy. Yeah. We're ultimately playing a game here. It is it is a funny thought process that I've never been able to understand, like. I've now put on team colors, so therefore it's it's time to go. It's war. Like, it's time to go. Yeah. Let's go find something. Mm-hmm. Let's go find some trouble to get into. Let's go crash some schools. Right, and the fact is that that guy doesn't need sports to look for fights. He, he'll yeah. get out there on a Saturday yeah. night, get hyped on some UFC fights. He's going to find a guy who's looking at him square, you know, and he's going to need to step. That's a good drain circle right there for us. To You've tried to shut it. this one down like eight times. It hasn't happened because I, I have more. We can talk about Tom Brady. You want to talk about Tom Brady? No, we can talk about the tuck rule. I, I specifically can... banned the tuck rule. That was that was my first piece with Juan. I was like, if you're doing this, we're banning the tuck rule. We can talk about the tuck rule. Find, we're not going to. I'm down to. For some reason, the like worst moment in his sports fandom is the one that he wants to bring up more than any. And I'm not going to let him do it. <laughs> So I think it's time to jump into thing number two, because we got a lot of things we got to talk about. We got three things we got to talk about. So let's go ahead and do thing number two. Number two. What dead fashion trend would you like to lead the comeback charge on? Dead fashion trends I want to lead the charge back on. So we're talking about a fashion trend that may have been prevalent 10 years ago, 20, 30, 40, at any time period, it was once a fixture in our culture. Yeah. But now it is no more. But you are going to lead the zombie race to bring it back. Hammer pants. It's hammer pants, for sure. However, that's partly because there's a challenge to it. It's an enormous challenge. Yeah, it is an enormous challenge. I actually just made this I've... debate the other day with somebody where we were watching an MC Hammer video. Mm-hmm. Had to have been Can't Touch This. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's such a dynamic performer. One of the best dancers in the history of entertainment. I actually think the Hammer Pants might have held him back. I know he was going for kind of that 90s shock and all, like, oh, what, what is this style? You don't even know. This is because you don't get it. You're not with it. You think so? This is how- if he had not had hammer pants tied to his name, I think people actually would have been more focused on his incredible dance moves. I think part of the the charm of his dance moves were, were the pants because they were flying all he, over the he place. He knew how to work with them, right? You got to you got to know how to. But I feel like the fun in bringing back back the hammer pants would be walking the fine line between hammer pants and looking like creepy 2019 yoga guy or Burning Man dude, or whatever you want to call it, right? So that to me would be the fun in leading the charge in that. And it's all based on what you're wearing it with. Because if you remember what he used, he used to wear it with like dress shoes, everything was all shiny. I believe you have like a, a sequin vest of some sort. Or a, a blazer with chest. no shirt. Yeah, that's usually right? what he was rolling with. Yeah. yeah, which reminds me of another thing I'd like to bring back. I, w- I would love to bring back the blazer with like a pastel shirt, like Miami Vice style. I'd be all about the pastel blazers. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Like, no socks? You'd definitely be no socks guy. 
Why well, I, I wear people see this is a thing. People think I wear socks. I just wear no show socks. I don't know with my how suits, people do the that. whole deal. So I love some ankle socks, but there absolutely needs to be a layer between my feet and my shoes. I can't just be mushing around with sweaty toes all day. Like the the sock layer is an essential function to the comfort of my feet all day. For me. Okay. Well that's what we call it fashion over function. Is that what that means? Yeah. Or function over fashion. Whichever one you go. I feel like you clearly lean function over fashion. That's opposite thing. I, on the other hand, say fashion over function. If we're talking socks, yeah, yeah. Because I'm a big socks guy, which is in fact the fashion which I would like to lead the charge on. I want to bring back knee socks. Oh, you want knee socks back? Yeah, I want to do knee socks. I want designer socks, designer knee socks. So it's a little bit of a throwback, but it's also like a new fad. With know? a modern twist. A little modern like twist. Stance knee socks. Yeah, I don't know what those are, but I feel like that's it. <laughs> that's the one. You know, I got a cool print. I already got a bunch of cool print socks. I actually do this already. I just usually cover them up with pants or whatever, but... I'm actually technically playing this game as we speak. Because, as you've seen, in the last year or two, I've been in the business of bringing back headbands, which I'm currently rocking on my head right now. How's that business going? It's going great. I have literally an entire headband drawer now. I've made multiple Amazon purchases and now I have a headband design that matches any outfit I can wear now. It's awesome. Is anybody else buying in other than me it occasionally? Matter. It doesn't matter if other people are going in on it. It's it's how I it's but the what whole point you is, want to leave But the whole point is leading a fashion trend. Right. Therefore you have to, if you're going to lead, others need to follow. I'm so I say this, I've definitely seen others rock the headbands. Because Not, of you? I don't because know you're leading it? I don't know if it's because of me or not, but I've definitely seen it. I see it on TV sometimes, and those are my headband bros. And it doesn't really matter that it's a bunch of people. I actually don't want it to catch on too much because then I get associated with following this fashion trend that people are doing. I feel like headbands are, are, are have slid back enough into the game that you wouldn't be able to claim that you brought them back. I feel like if you started rocking knee-high socks, like tube socks, mm -hmm. And that caught on, then you could say, I, Ryan Castle, brought this fashion trend. Right. Back, and I'm psyched on that. I'm not really in the position to lead the charge on anything. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm visible enough. You know, I camp up in my tower all day and do the occasional beach run or skate. That's pretty much my entire runway. Maybe that should be the entire goal of this podcast just to get me out there enough to become a trend setting beast in the headband and knee sock industry. Yeah, because on, on the flip side That's of that, the ultimate goal, at least. on the flip side of that, on in this conversation is is right the hammer pants. Like you can go buy pants that look like hammer pants now. You can find them, but can you appropriately pair them with the right vibe? The right can you get the whole get up going, a la MC Hammer, the blazer with the shoulder pads maybe, or the vest? Right? I would leave the shoulder pads at home. I I think you lost me there. I, I think I, I think that'd understood. be a, I think that'd be a bit much. I never understood the shoulder pads thing that happened in the eighties. It was like an eighties nineties thing. That's one that always confused me. Yeah, well we're nineties kids, so yeah. we weren't really in it. So you've got tube socks. I've got hammer pants. Right. We'll check back in in like a month and see. See where they, well you need to actually start rocking the hammer pants. And this that brings me to this. Do you wear them casually or is it like a go out thing? I think it's got to be a go out thing. Okay. I think it's got to be a go out, get social. It's like, kind of like a peacocking tool, I think. Yeah, like you're actually making a statement. You're not looking like you just rolled out. Right, because we live in Los Angeles. Think about how many people go through so much effort to look like they're homeless in like Hollywood. Is that what they're going for? Yeah. Like <laughs> I think people, it just turns I'm just out saying the whole, the whole thing of, of, you know, like I'm going to go out to a Hollywood club, but I'm going to wear, you know, like $150 sweatpants and... Is that what they do? I don't know. A maybe crew I just a crew neck sweatshirt and like okay, look, now that I you know? see. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
Is that what homeless do? The, the like, no, I'm just, okay. We're <laughs> really getting hung up I'm, on the homeless I got thing. hung up on the homeless <laughs> I'm like, I think you're just looking at homeless people in Hollywood. I guess, I guess I'm just saying, I guess I'm just is. saying the people who go through, very obviously go through major, major effort to appear dressed down. Okay, maybe not. The, the wrinkled down, like, U-neck thing, that, that. Yeah. Part, yeah. So what I'm All getting right. at with, with, like, the making a fashion statement with hammer pants is that if, if we're talking cruising down to Starbucks to go pick up coffee in the morning, that's not really much of a fashion statement. But if we're talking about going out on a Friday night... Friday night is where statements are made. Yeah. That's... That's when you're going to hammer pants it down. Because that's a decision. It's a conscious effort. Yeah. All right. Well, I think what we've landed on here today is that you need to go out and find some hammer pants. You should look them up on Amazon right here. Look it up. I'm going to look them up right now. Discount hammer pants. No, just hammer pants. I'm not... I'm not... I'm not trying to What's cut even corners. Better than I'm not trying to cut out. corners on my hammer pants here. These are actually kind of dope. I'm not gonna lie. I would wear these. Okay, let me see that. Okay, I'm seeing it now. You know what else is cool about these is uh, it gives you a great place to hide your 18-pound dong. <laughs> so that that's a plus. I know you've been struggling with <laughs> this that. This is a podcast for yeah. third graders. <laughs> That's literally the first thing I thought when I looked at that picture. <laughs> it is very heavy in the junk region. It hangs yeah, out on your that's knees. A, that's a design function that's of hammer pants. What that is. But these are actually really cool. They're twenty-seven eighty-eight. I think I'm gonna order them right now. Do it. They literally are described as men's baggy cotton linen harem pants, vintage hip hop wide leg pants. There was like twenty-seven <laughs> adjectives in the in the description of these pants. It said it all though. I, you know what? Order, order two. I'm actually really into these. And now, uh, if you don't pull it off, I'm gonna be severely disappointed. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the deal. It has more of a chance of catching on than knee-high socks. I'm just gonna say that. Designer knee-high socks. See, either way. Yeah. Okay. It's on. Okay. No, I'm, I'm holding you to it. Before the year 2020 arrives, that's, okay. that's my challenge for you. How about Devo helmets? I don't even know what that is. Remember the band in the 80s? No. Devo. No. Whip it. Whip it good. Devo helmets. Yeah, it's like a it's like a reverse flower pot. It almost looks like a uh, something you would make in ceramics class. Devo. And then they wear. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was not a fashion trend though. That's more of a. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think it ever caught on. Yeah, that was that was more of a novelty. And just <laughs> tell you right now, it's not gonna be a fashion trend. I don't think that would work. I think you should take this subject very seriously. We talked about bringing back an old school fashion trend, and yeah. you came I, out with well, Devo hey, helmets. I'm the one who's actively doing it as we speak with a headband, a designer headband. Yeah, but on again, head. you're not leading that. That's a that's a thing that you jumped onto. That kind of already has a little know. bit of steam. I think it has a lot of steam because I've been doing it for about a solid year and a half now. Okay. So that's where the steam comes from. Okay. So and, uh, basically what you're telling me is you cheated started. this conversation by by picking a subject that you could already one-up me on and say that you are, had already partaken. That, that might have been how it happened. Okay, just, I don't know. it makes sense. <laughs> Sounds about right. I think it just worked out that way. Third it's, thing, bring it know, on. Let's get into thing number three. Number three. And uh, for this one, I'd like to introduce a new segment that I would like to make a part of the podcast. And it's called Going to the Hat. Hat. Aren't they all new segments? Yeah, but this is like a specific seg. No, they're all things. This is an actual segment. This is a segment. Okay. It's gonna be a reoccurring thing. So I have a series of subjects in this hat. Shuffle them around a little bit. You reach in and you grab a subject. So this, is a, this is an on the fly subject. On the fly, and we're just gonna Our discuss other it. Yes. Subjects were predetermined. So yeah, those were you. things that we gotta talk about. And this, you don't know, this is a subject we gotta talk about yet, but I'm we gotta talk about it. Wow, that's heavy. 
What's it say? Got- Saved by the Bell was actually just a dream in Zach Morris's head all along. Oh, uh, this is a good one. Wow. Yeah, this is okay, so this is a fan theory I've heard. And uh, you know, you obviously grew up in the nineties, I grew up in the nineties. And if you grew up in the 90s, you grew up watching Saved by the Bell. Yeah, duh. There's no way around it. Okay, so I'll break down the theory for you real quickly. Basically, it says that anything that took place at Bayside High in Saved by the Bell all was a figment of Zack's imagination, basically taking place in his dreams. You're blowing my mind with this. I'm Googling this right now as you're telling me that I'd never do this. I think I might have heard this one time, but there's like... There's some... There's some deep internet rabbit holes on this this theory that... Point number one. When the show first started, it was called Good Morning Miss Bliss, took place in Indiana, and mostly revolved around the teacher at the time, Miss Bliss. I remember that. And Zach was just sort of a class clown who got mostly teased by everybody. Suddenly, second or third season, everybody moves to Bayside in California, and now Zach is the coolest kid on campus. Everybody loves him, right? Mm-hmm. So you're telling me he moves across the country and all his best friends go with him, and so does his principal? Which is incredibly unhealthy behavior for a principal to have, but that's besides the point. A popular fan theory holds that Zack isn't as cool as everyone, including Zack, thinks he is. And that Zack actually dreamt up all of his Bayside friends' adventures and time-stopping superpowers. And that right there is points 2, 3, 4, 5, pretty much 2 through 10. There. Holy crap. Why is Zack able to stop time? It is never explained. And it's not like it's a show that just has fun, nonsensical magic stuff happening. That's that's it. Just only Zach can stop time. And it wasn't even like a wink to the audience. Like, I actually remember him freezing time and moving other people around to benefit his situation. Like, one time he was going to take a haymaker from Slater, and he stopped time and then moved everybody around. And I think Principal Belding ended up taking it. Really? Like, like he's actually causing other cast members harm at this point with his magic chicanery not to mention he starts every scene by breaking the fourth wall and telling you basically the setup for what's going on right now like which is very fantasy world related it's crazy shit. Yeah. you know i do remember being a kid i remember watching that and thinking to myself if i could stop the only time that it used to cross my mind was like man i wish i had zach's superpower of just being able to stop time it was the top superpower i could have it was it was uh, literally all the time when my mom would come and wake me up in the morning i didn't want to get out of bed mm-hmm. i was like i wish i could just stop time to this day so that i could sleep in right but so, i yes. thought that would be so cool to just be able to stop time and not have to set an alarm i like to imagine a young juan hernandez uh just not wanting to get up in the morning grumbling to himself man i wish i could just stop time like zach morris right now oh i did trust me growing up i i 1000 i wished i was zach morris in every way shape or we way. all did yeah that's that's i think the the base behind this theory is he showcased what the ideal life of a high school student was if you could architect it as best you possibly could because if you think about it and i there's an amazing series that i think funnier die puts on now called zach morris is trash zach morris is trash if you haven't looked it up seriously do it there's like three seasons of it that really showcase that everything zach morris did was actually absolutely piece of shit behavior yeah he was a pretty bad person he was a terrible individual he wasn't a terrible person he just wasn't a good person. Well, you mostly missed it as a kid because you were just caught up in the whole like, oh, Zach's cool, everything he does is funny and awesome. But like, he was 100% only out for his own benefit and he would throw his best friends under the bus regularly in the worst possible way. It's kind of a weasel. Just to make a quick buck or like get a chick's phone number, like whatever it was. Yeah. And he was able to do that while still maintaining this image as just like the coolest kid in town. 
Which is funny because looking back on it, I, I remember obviously he and uh, an AC Slater were always feuding and I just naturally gravitated towards being on Team Zack. Same. But looking back, AC Slater was like one of the coolest, most genuine dudes Slater was on genuine. the planet. Yeah. He was a cool guy. Right. And for whatever reason, Kelly picked Zack over and to me, Mario that, Lopez. Right, and that was a no-brainer to me yeah. at the time. I was like, why would you pick Slater over Zack? Yeah. Zack is a stud. And Zack, uh, getting back to the thing too real quick, Zack Morris pants, also a style that maybe I'd like to leave the charge on. Yeah, yeah, with the highlighter colors and everything Very on cool them. Design yeah, absolutely. Going on. Yeah. Another cool thing about AC Slater, as jacked and as ripped as that guy was, being like 13 years old at the time, never saw any ro roid rage. Not no. once. No, unless Zack brought it out in him. Yeah. 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 He's a cool cat. And he was the best dancer. I mean, we all know that. That's actually a very good point. He Those was a really dope dancer. That should have scored more points with me growing up, but I was still team Zach. So really the conversation should be debating all the reasons why Kelly should have gone for AC and not Zach. That's an entirely different discussion. It is an entirely different discussion, but it feeds into your fan theory that this was just a dream by Zach because now that we're being rational about this 25 years later or whatever it is, looking back, we're realizing that, that, that the reality is Kelly probably would have picked AC Slater in real life. And then there's another part of the theory that says that the actual Zach Morris life takes place in the theme song. You know, I think he misses his bus, the teacher pops a test and he's in a mess. I think his dog even ate his homework. But then he's saved by the bell at the end of the school day and he gets to go back to his fantasy land. And, I mean, can you blame him? Like, we've all established that everything that happened on Saved by the Bell was awesome. So, obviously, if you can live your dreams that vividly to that degree, like, I think we all would. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to think about this. It's wow. A, it's still, yeah, I know. I knew I would rock your world with this one. Have some Zach Morris dreams. That's sick. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Let's do it. Is there a fourth thing? No, we just do three things. Do you wanna talk about the tuck rule? We will never talk about the tuck rule, ever. That is literally rule number one of this podcast, at least when one's here. But I think we've given everybody a lot to think about today. You know, uh, can we bring back hammer pants and Devo helmets? Was Zach Morris actually just a narcissistic asshole who dreamt up the whole thing? Yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to circulate on that one. That is gonna to be it. some water water cooler discussion. Yeah, around the world. Okay, I think I set that off. Yeah, I'm into it. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. And if you're still listening at this point, you either are really really close friends of ours or you just like our voices because we've beaten all these things into the ground we have beaten them like a siberian rug <laughs> and on that note i think it's a good time to jump out let's call it fun stuff bro uh that is the three things we got to talk about podcast episode one uh, we figured to only get better at this we'll just move Maybe. on to hammer pants at yeah, this point and yeah, life will be good it's gonna start rocking hammer pants with your Keanu Reeves shirt. The amazing thing is I've been able to focus while Juan has been wearing his Keanu Reeves America shirt across from me this entire time. It's not Keanu Reeves, it's Johnny Utah. It's There's Johnny a, it's Utah, yeah. That is true. It's a very specific brand of Keanu. And I haven't flinched at it once. You no. Know? Yeah, I've just no. kept my composure and professionalism because that's what I bring to the three things we gotta talk about podcasts. So on that note, make sure you tune in every week for a brand new episode of Three Things We Gotta Talk About. Juan, guys, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, buddy. Until next time, we are out of here.